listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexel, what a pass to Anders. A came follow. Doyle branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Up shot. Oh, Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slamajama presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Yanez. And you can find me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Spent the last two seasons covering UH athletics for the Daily Cougar student newspaper at the University of Houston. Graduated, have moved on to Community Impact newspaper and still covering UH athletics over here at Apollo Media. And I'll toss it over to my second host for this episode. And I'm Justin Barbosa. And you can follow me on Twitter at jbarbosa underscore 95. As I'm a play-by-play announcer for Max Sports TV invite media and be sure to follow the official apollo media account at apollo hou as well as hitting the subscribe button on itunes spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast we would greatly appreciate it and justin we have a good show we have a, a pretty interesting show we're gonna talk this might be, this is gonna be the debut the official debut of football talk on part time jamma obviously we're under two months from the kickoff of the university of houston Football season when the Cougars will take on Texas Tech at NRG Stadium uh, should be a good game. And we're going to talk a little football um, during tonight's episode or today's episode, the episode that gets released on July 15th. But we're going to talk a little bit. Clayton, too, and an interesting stat that came across our timeline on Twitter by PFF. But we also have uh, we'll take mailbag from your fans. We'll talk a little bit of Tremont Mark and other things uh men's and women's basketball related but first we'll start out with quentin grimes working out with the denver nuggets earlier this week they have the number 26 overall pick which is a first round pick that's all they have and it's interesting to have them you know bring them into their facility and just see him obviously they're doing their due diligence but justin i'll start right there what are your initial thoughts I think it's a good thing for Grimes because he's really sh- showing what he can bring, especially a team like the Nuggets. And they actually have the 26th pick in the first round. So if they're working out, Quinn could be one of the guys Denver could be looking for in the first round. Yeah, for sure. Like I mentioned, that's that's their only pick. So it's interesting to me. We kind of had the, uh, the discussion two episodes ago. You can check that out in the archives where we kind of debated where we could see Quentin Grimes land. And he's kind of, you know, since the draft combine, he's kind of worked himself into that the murky area of is he an early second round pick? Is he a late first round pick? Who knows? But for the most part, it looks like since the combine, that's that's kind of that gray area where he's put himself in. Obviously, we are that we're recording this. We're 15 days away from the 2021 NBA draft, which will be on July 29th. And, you know, real quickly before we move on from Quentin Grimes, not only was that workout or him, the video of him being in Denver come out, but there was also an interview by University of Houston men's basketball head coach Kelvin Sampson. He did it with Sirius XM Radio where he talked about Quentin Grimes and a little bit of just the transition that he made coming over from Kansas, which 
you know, Kevin Sampson has talked, he talked a lot about that during the, the Cougars uh, 2021 final four run. But one thing that stood out to me from that interview in particular with Sirius XM was who Sampson gave the credit for, for Quentin Grimes is, I guess the main person that kind of worked with Grimes, he gave that credit to Qantas White, who obviously one of the lead assistants for the University of Houston men's basketball team. He was the person that filled in as the head coach once uh, early in December when U of H had that. Um, both Kelvin and Kellen Sampson were, were out due to COVID protocols this past season. And he said he gave credit to Qantas White for working with Quentin Grimes throughout the seasons and giving him confidence. He said, you know, a lot of there were a lot of late nights whenever Aquinas White and Quinn Grimes were working out together. And obviously he he went on to expand that it was much more than just, you know, rebounding the ball or putting them through drills, which is, you know, that's something that you kind of I would that's something that when people hear, you know, he worked out with him individually, that's what comes to mind. But, you know, White Qantas White did was a lot of more building a personal relationship with Quentin Grimes and and going back to that interview, Kevin Sampson described it as giving Grimes an armor, a confidence armor. So once he did hit the court, he he'd have more confidence in himself that he was one of the best players in the nation. And most definitely, and uh, I kind of resemble this to John Lucas and the Rockets able to develop young talent and uh, just connect with them personally, like we saw of Kevin Porter Jr. this season coming from a tough situation in Cleveland and then able to get his stuff straight with the Rockets playing the G League and uh, work on his game with John Lucas. Uh, kind of similar with that role with Qantas White and uh, Quentin Grimes, you know, able to work with him personally and help Quentin grow his game and grow his confidence. Yeah, another thing I wanted to add from that interview was Kelvin Sampson. He said that, for most of the games that U of H played in this season, when Quinn Grimes stepped on the court, he was the best player, not just for U of H, but on the court, including the opponents. And just, I want to get to get your thoughts on that. Do you agree with Kelvin Sampson's comments? I agree when uh, he was on, yeah, he was the best player on the court when he was shooting threes, driving to the basket and he was hard to be stopped. And he really grew as a leader Going, to, going into this season and into the tournament. And that's something we expect to see going into the draft. Uh, we saw it, those two games at the Combine. He really elevated his game and shown some stuff we haven't seen during the season, like his passing skills, uh, just showing many more what he has in his bag to get drafted. For sure. And we'll transition over to a little bit more news of last year's team, Bryson Gresham, who was a part of the Final Four run team by the University of Houston, recently entered the he entered the transport transfer portal on Tuesday, uh, the thirteenth, and today the day that we are recording this on Wednesday, July the fourteenth, he has already landed on a new destination with Texas Southern University. The university announced today on the fourteenth that we are recording this that that is where he will play his super senior season of college eligibility, which of course he's taking advantage of that extra year that was given to granted by the NCAA due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And a little bit of interesting, just this whole thing kind of caught me off guard first, obviously Bryson Gresham graduated from the university of Houston this past year, actually interesting, funny story. 
uh, we ended up, we walked on the same day. I remember seeing Bryson Gresham right next to me when we were entering TDCU Stadium to get uh, for the graduation ceremony. But yeah, he's decided to stay in, in the NCAA, use his extra year. He averaged three points a game, about a block a game, and three rebounds for the Cougars this past season, and and a much more limited role, just 17 minutes a game. And obviously, you know, with Justin Gorham and Fabian White and Reggie Chaney this past season, he saw his role reduced. But, you know, looking at the U of H roster for this upcoming season, I feel like this is the best move for both Bryson Gresham and TSU, just looking at the front court or the UH bigs for the 2021-22 season, it's a it's a crowded roster with Josh Carlton, Javier Francis, Jaywan Roberts, Reggie Cheney, Fabian White, Caleb Bruto, Kieran Powell. That's a lot of bigs right there. So I feel like Bryson Gresham made the best move for himself. Justin, what are your thoughts? I absolutely agree because it's such a crowded forward and center room. I mean, there really wasn't going to be any time or minutes for Bryce and Gresham this season because I'm sure Kelvin Sampson wants to get some of the younger guys in there and develop their game. And really as a fifth, six-year senior that Gresham will be, I mean, just really not more any more room, especially what you said just a second ago that he got his minutes reduced and would have probably uh, barely got any time off the bench at all. And with TSU, he's going to – automatically be the starting center and he's going to put up some numbers over there and uh, but it's just so much uh, different players in that position group I mean I mean not we're going to have much room or you know time to get any minutes so this is a good uh, move for both sides and I wish uh, luck to Gresham at TSU and hope he kills it over there yeah for sure just playing about a six-minute drive from Fertitta Center. He's going to be literally right right down the street from where he played for with the University of Houston. Coming right up on Pod Slamma Jamma, we debut our first football football focus segment here on Pod Slamma Jamma. Clayton Toon, the quarterback for the University of Houston, is he? The best quarterback in college football in the entire state of Texas. We'll discuss coming right up on Pot Slime Jamma, your home for UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And back here on Pod Slamajama, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. And Justin, we're going to pick up right where we left off in the first segment. I pose to you the question. First of all, I'll throw it over to where we are getting this question from. We're not just pulling it out of thin air. Uh, PFF on Twitter posted a graphic and you know, put the question according to their rankings. Clayton Tune is the best college quarterback out of all the Texas schools for the upcoming season. And yes, we're talking about all the Texas schools. That includes the University of Texas, that includes Texas Christian, Texas Tech, and SMU. Clayton Tune is number one on their list, uh, followed by Austin Lane, who played for North Texas at number two, Casey Thompson. For UT, Tanner Mordecai for SMU, and Max Dugan 
for Texas Christian University. They round up the top five. I will mention the sixth quarterback on this list, Tyler Show from Texas Tech, uh, who the University of Houston will see week one at NRG Stadium. So, Justin, let me throw it over to you. Do you agree with this list? I don't. Uh, I mean, Clayton Toon is definitely the most experienced quarterback on this list, but the best – no, I don't think so. He's been very cons- inconsistent the last couple seasons and uh, also doing with injuries a couple times, really in uh, 2019, but really in his full season in 2020. Uh, saw some flashes, him with the offense, but just an inconsistent offensive line and Tune also tends to throw the ball into coverage and he's throwing a lot of picks, had – 10 last season along with 15 touchdowns, but now I don't think he's going to be the top quarterback this year. I mean, he's probably, I would guess around like third, fourth, maybe around there. I mean, he needs to really prove it this year uh, or else he's going to have uh, Max Catup or Sophie Masood uh, testing him at training mm-hmm. camp. Right. You know, I'm curious. One of the, one of the things, one of the players you mentioned, that you feel would be on that number one spot for the entire state of Texas is TCU quarterback, Max Dugan. And Justin, I'm curious why, why Max? Well, TCU had a nice season last year. Uh, they went six and four and he threw for 10 touchdowns, four interceptions and around 1800 yards. And uh, even though they were about average in the middle of the season, they finished the season on a three game winning streak. And one of those wins was against number 15, Oklahoma State, who they beat 29 to 22. And they also beat the Longhorns early in the season, 33 to 31. And only going to be in his third year. I think this is a chance for Dugan to really build his resume and uh, has a chance for that top spot. But also think Kate, if, uh, if Kate Thompson starts, Casey Thompson, that is, uh, I think he might have a chance for that top spot. He had a really great game in the Alamo Bowl against Colorado. And, yeah, I know the thing about Pac-12 defenses are not that good, but he really lit it up against Colorado in that bowl game. Actually won 8 of 10 for 170 yards for 80% completion percentage with four touchdowns. But, you know, also the rumor is he there's a chance he might not even start the season and could be Hudson Card at quarterback. Yeah. That's interesting. And going back to Clayton Toon, you know, I, I tend to agree with, with the points you said, why you you're, you hesitate to put him not only on top of this list, but towards the top, you said you might put a, a, a no, number of quarterbacks on top of that list. Like you mentioned, uh, the turnovers have been a bit of an issue in Clayton Toon's career, uh, especially since De'Ara King left U of H. Obviously, his past season was <laughs> riddled with with. COVID-19 and kind of honestly it never really got UH struggled to have a consistent basis not only to play games but just to practice but like you mentioned 15 touchdowns 10 picks he also averaged 31 rushing yards a game which is interesting and one thing I wanted to go back on that you mentioned was you know his availability especially in 2019 he suffered a, a couple of injuries this past season 2020 
he took he takes a lot of hits. And this is something that Dana Hogerson this past season mentioned throughout. They're trying to get Clayton Tune to slide and not take those big hits when he scrambles. And I know that's something against Navy, I believe, um, in 2020. It's one of the, he took a big shot against Navy. I think it knocked him out of the game. And, you know, Dana Hogerson mentioned it, how that's something he has to get better at, protect himself. And you know, if he's taking those hits, he gets out of the game. That's something, you know, the best availability is availability. <laughs> the old cliche has old cliche goes. But, yeah, I think Clayton Toon is, is something he needs to prove. It's just consistency. Like you mentioned, he has flashes where, I mean, he just looks great. And he's had games throughout his career where, I mean, he he looks like one of those top quarterbacks, not only in the American Athletic Conference, but in all of college football. And then he turns around and, you know, might throw a crucial pick in a, in a big point of the game or you know he just struggles to there'll, there'll be some games where he struggles offensively to even move the ball Justin what do you think and I agree uh, definitely a lot of games and this is not even on uh, Clayton Toon. I mean some of this is on the coaching staff because there's been a lot of times where Cougars just struggle to get the ball down the field I mean struggle to move the ball and that, that's Dana Hogerson being a uh, you know, run and shoot air raid coach that we saw mm-hmm. at West Virginia and even this uh, two years a, as an offensive coordinator at U of H under Case Keenum back in 2008, 2009. We have yet to see any of that kind of offense so far. We've seen small flashes, but really no consistency from the O-line and getting a ball down the field. I mean, we need to see more of that. And in my opinion, this is really uh, Hogerson's make or break year. I mean, I know last year, was a really tough year. The first, you know, five weeks of the season, all games were canceled because U of H's opponents had COVID. And then the only real part of the season that I judged that was, you know, genuine football was that three and three stretch during that six games. And then right after that, the Cougars get COVID and then they're out for an entire month. Then they come back. I mean, you could tell it was a team that hasn't played in a month against Memphis. We're down round uh, 27-6, eventually came all the way back at the end of that game before losing by a field goal. And then the game against Hawaii was kind of pointless. What was it, the Las Vegas of, of at Frisco Bowl uh, <laughs> up there near Dallas? Yeah, the New Mexico Bowl in Frisco. Yeah, New Mexico Bowl, yeah. Like, that game against Hawaii, they just looked like a team that, you know, just wanted the season to end. They Like, why are, what are we doing here? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I want to go back a, a couple of games. I mean, just mentioning what I said, where there, there are just stretches where Clinton Toon looks phenomenal. And I go back against BYU this past season against Zach Wilson, who, you know, just got taken high in the NFL draft by the New York Jets. I mean, for three quarters of that game, Clinton Toon was matching pass for pass with Zach Wilson, and he had a monster game. He finished you look at the stat line, he finished good 310 yards, two touchdowns. But then the fourth quarter, Houston's offense just went stagnant. And I mean, they couldn't score, not not just in the fourth quarter, the, the second half period. And that first half, they put up 20 points. They only put up six in the second half. They got shut out in the fourth quarter. They got outscored by BYU 22 nothing in that game. 
And that just goes to show, like you mentioned, it's not just on Clayton Toon. It's Dana Holkerson in that offense. He obviously has to get a share of the blame. But I think that's, and it kind of connects with what you said, where this may be a break or make year for Dana Holkerson, in your opinion. You feel like it is. And this is something we'll talk down the road where, I mean, looking at the schedule that U of H has coming up, UH football has coming up, I, I would tend to agree with you. But that's something that they need to prove just from quarter one to quarter four, put out a consistent performance and just go from there. For sure. I mean, definitely a lot to prove this season. And Tune, I mean, needs to show consistency, but also really the coaching staff. I mean, too many times we saw, you know, one half, Cougars look really good, especially many first halves, and then second half, they just disappear. You saw that many times on the occasion uh, last season, even back in 2019. And one big example was the game against Prairie View at home. I think we scored like 30-something in the first half, and I don't think we even scored at all in the second half, and that game was 37-17 to 17 against Prairie View. Right. That's not good at all. <laughs> back. All right, so it hasn't just been an issue with – Clayton Tune has been something with that offense that Zena Holgerson has taken over. So, like you said, that's a that's a valid criticism and it's something there. I mean, you we both feel we can't comfortably put Clayton Tune there as the number one quarterback. Real quickly, we'll run down a couple of the numbers of the other guys that were in the top or around Texas. You mentioned Max Dugan. He had 10 touchdowns, four picks of this past season. Tanner Mordecai, who will be the quarterback for SMU, actually transferring over, has only played in 12 games in his career, was a four-star recruit. Uh, but he has a couple of interesting games, a couple of interesting stat lines. And then over, like I mentioned, Texas Tech quarterback Tyler Show, he limited minutes as well, but he has thrown 13 touchdowns, six picks this past season. So a couple of interesting stat lines. Honestly, they don't know just basing off that line they don't blow it 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 doesn't look like there's a big difference in terms of you know when you compare it to Clayton Toon but out of all these quarterbacks and it seems like Clayton Toon is the one that has the most more experience under his belt would say you just yeah Toon's been at it around the last you know three four years uh first started as a quarterback when De'Eric King came down in Major Applewhite's last season and then taking over for King unexpectedly in 2019 when King was expected to be the starter for all season. And then, as we all know, King stepped down and then transferred to Miami you know, mm-hmm. shortly after at the end of the season. So and then last season was really the first true full year for Clayton Toon, really against the rhythm. And this is really his last year. I mean, coming in as a senior, I think, yeah, he's going to be a senior this season. So it'll be his last year really just to prove what he's got and whatever he wants to do with his future after the NCAA. But definitely the most experienced, but definitely not the best. He has a lot to prove this season along with the entire offensive coaching staff. Yeah, and I think Tanner Mordecai presents the most. He's the most interesting name out of this list, in my opinion, when when looking at it from a UH perspective, just in terms of, it looks like he's going to be the guy for SMU. Not only that, he's coming from Oklahoma, obviously from that conference, coming down to the American Athletic. It'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to a different style and, you know, if maybe coming to the American Athletic Conference helps him put up bigger numbers. 
that's something to keep an eye on. Justin, any final thoughts before we close out the segment? Yeah, definitely interesting with Tanner Mordecai. It's kind of a similar situation uh, with uh, Shane Buchel mm-hmm. coming uh, from UT to SMU. I mean, got uh, benched in favor of Sam Ellinger, so transferred to SMU and lit it up in the American Conference. And it could be the same with, you know, Tanner Mordecai, but also, you know, what's going to be going to be a different style of offense this year for SMU and uh who knows if uh Sonny Dykes will get looked at potentially as a new head coach for by a bigger school coming right up on pod slamajama we take a look at the mailbag questions you guys ask and we look around the American Athletic Conference and more news and notes from UH players looking to get into the NBA coming right up on pod slamajama your home for UH athletics Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And we welcome you back to Pod Jamma, And we're going to discuss and answer your questions. And also going to talk about different U of H players and how their progress is going leading up to the draft. Right, Justin. And real quickly, for future reference, anyone that wants to get involved in the show, will have us read one of your questions. Be sure to reach out to us, like we mentioned, either on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Uh, Justin mentioned his Twitter username, but also tweet us at PodSlamajama. That's at PodSlamajama, like you see it. In, in the title, wherever you are listening to your podcast, you got a question for us, anything, feel free, feel free to reach out to us. And who knows, you can even be involved in the show. You have a question or anything, don't hesitate to at us on Twitter. That's Pod Slamajama. And we'll go over to the question asked by our friends over at the Scott and Hallman podcast at S-H-P-A-A-W-D-K-A-S-T on Twitter. That's the Scott and Hallman podcast. They asked over under 14 points a game next season for UH guard Tramon Mark. And Justin, before I let you answer that question, I'm go back to the 2020-21 averages for Mark. He averaged 7.8 points a game, so almost eight points a game. Coming off the bench, he had a few games where he started, but you know, only averaged about 20 minutes a game for the entire season. You imagine with Quentin Grimes, Dejan Giroux leaving, he will see himself slide into that starting lineup and see a lot more minutes. Justin, what say you over under Tromon Mark 14 points a game next season? I might have to go with the over. I think he'll probably get around uh, something like 15.2, 14.8 points a game. A lot to fill with Grimes going to the draft and also, Dejan Giroux declaring that's a lot of points and also a lot of dishes leaving off the scoreboard. So I believe Tremont Mark can really try to fill in those gaps and really he's going to have a lot to prove on and definitely a lot more leadership to gain. But yeah, about 14.8, 15.2 points a game to go with the over. I think he can really step up as a scorer. And we saw a couple times when he gets on a roll, he, he can hit his shots and you know, being a true freshman and also COVID during the season, uh, we kind of saw yeah. him, you know, 
bit on and off and, you know, a little bit in- inconsistency. But I think with the, the big game he had against Rutgers with the, the game-saving putback, I mean, I think that really uh, is a boost of confidence going into this season. And, you know, just a lot to look forward to for Tremont Mark. I mean, a lot to step up. Yeah, for sure. I feel just like the, the way the regular season ended for Tremont Mark, it was a good boost to his confidence. You mentioned a Rutgers game. I mean, just a few games before that, the final game of the regular season against Memphis, we mentioned it probably multiple times throughout this podcast. But, I mean, just the way the crazy half-court buzzer beater to beat the Tigers in that final game of the regular season, he had a good end to the 2020-21 campaign. Yeah, Justin, I would tend to agree, and I'll take the over for Tremont Mark, over 14 points a game. And like you mentioned, COVID really kind of, uh, honestly, it affected him for much of that season. Uh, once December, the U of H went on that pause, and honestly, the entire month of January, it just didn't seem like he had hit a stride. He didn't seem like the same player, and it, I mean, he made what heck of an impact just his first, uh, when he made his collegiate de- debut for U of H, he scored 22 points against Lamar. And like he just mentioned off air in terms of his jump shot, he looking smooth. I remember one of the first press conferences that he did with, with the medias here covering the coverage U of H. They asked him, you know, who, who he models his game after. And he said the two players were Paul George and James Harden. And honestly, yeah, we've mentioned Quentin Grimes a little bit before in terms of what the scoring hole that they have to fill. But I couldn't see Tremont Mark's role, maybe just in terms of how they used him last season coming off the bench. But it reminded me of what Caleb Mills did, where when he checks into the game, his whole mission is to just get up shots and and score points. And I feel like that's something that U of H is going to rely on him a lot more this coming season where, you know, just give him the ball, let him go to work and. It's his job to get points. If we mentioned that mid-range areas where he likes to operate in, I think he needs to do a little better of attacking and, and more consistent with his three-point shooting. But I feel like that's what he's going to do this offseason going into the next season. And I agree with you. I think he'll go over 14 points a game. Yeah, and I was thinking about going a little bit higher, but we know Marcus Sasser is going to get a lot of that load handling the basketball and getting up shots and – and we know Mark's going to try and fill in that hole with Grimes and Jerome out of the pitcher now. But the reason I don't really have it going too much higher over 15 is because Marcus Sasser is going to be scoring. And also with the addition of Kyler Edwards, he's going to help in the scoring department as well. So, yeah, about like around, you know, 14.8 to 15.2 points a game is my prediction. But I think it's really going to be a nice year for Tremont Mark coming up. Hopefully see him uh, like about 100% like we saw in the tournament and, you know, really taking over and start hitting those jump shots. Right, for sure. And, you know, transitioning over to our next topic, Dejan Giroux posted on his Instagram that he, when he was in Brooklyn, he posted a, a logo of the Brooklyn Nets, or he posted a picture of the Brooklyn Nets logo. So you have to imagine he's once again working out with another NBA team. To add on to the list, he's already worked out with the Boston Celtics, New Orleans Pelicans, Utah Jazz, Memphis Grizzlies. He appears now with the Brooklyn Nets, which is interesting. Uh, just in a couple of episodes ago, we kind of threw it, tossed in the Nets for Quentin Grimes. Uh, real quickly, what are your thoughts in terms of potential fit with Dejan Jerome and, and the Nets? 
It's interesting. I don't think he's going to get playing time right away. I think he'll spend some time in the G League uh, for sure. But, I mean, if he eventually does play, I mean, again, the scrappy guy, the guy that always hustles for a loose ball. I mean, just someone that's going to give 100% effort. And, I mean, who knows? I mean, it could be one of those guys that they can just throw in and, you know, be an X factor. But for the most part, I think he's going to be uh, spending most of his rookie season wherever he signs either undrafted, which I think that's going to be most likely the case. But I really think that first year he's going to be spending most of his time in the G League to really grow his game. But uh, what he really improved the most this past season was his three-point shooting shot, three, 34% from three. and really shot better at that mark. Uh, even the fact that he only attempted around like two to three threes a game, but really making those shots going to be a big factor for his success in the league. But, I mean, what really stands out is what we all know for Jason Giroux. He's a hustle guy. He gives you that grit and grind. I mean, 100% hustle every possession. Right. And, you know, one of the, like you I tend to agree in terms of, you know, in terms of the NBA draft when it comes to Tejan Jerome, I'm not entirely sure if he'll be taken with either one of the top 60 picks, you know, but one of the things we noticed with the amount of teams that he's worked out for, I'm curious to see, and it's something that Akib Ghazi's told us, uh, one of our other contributors here on Pod Slamma Jamma, you know, it, it feels like a lot of teams are interested. There's interest in him. And like you mentioned, I think a lot of these teams what they're doing maybe potentially for an undrafted free agency deal, but also they're looking at him potentially to come for their summer league team and just see if, if they can get, uh, basically they're just evaluating if they have, if they see enough potential there where they want to bring them in, whether it's when it comes to an undrafted contract or with their summer league team and potentially just have them in the system and just see if he can develop. I think that's what, with all these workouts, Justin Gorham has had a couple of workouts too. That's what they're doing right now, just in terms of, you know, for them, it might not necessarily be on draft day, but what comes beyond? One of the final things I wanted to touch on, and that's going back to one of our friends of the show, Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. He had a sit-down interview with one of the B reporters for the Wichita State Shockers, Taylor Eldridge, who covers the Wichita State Shockers. That conversation is up on his YouTube channel at the Houston Roundball Review. One of the things I wanted to point out, obviously we mentioned a few episodes ago, Tyson Etienne decided to withdraw his name from the NBA draft to come back and stay for the Shockers, which is a big boost for the, not only that team, but for the American Athletic Conference. But one of the things that stood out to me from that interview was the... Wichita State B reporter mentioning that he feels like Tyson Etienne is going to get a lot of more minutes as Wichita State's point guard. Obviously, last year they had that dynamic backcourt with Altariq Gilbert, who graduated. It leaves a bit of a void for the Shockers to fill, and I'm yeah, I'm intrigued by that aspect of having Tyson Etienne be the one that ends up being a point guard. I think it's something that. I remember in that NCAA first four game was something that some player, uh, some fans that were watching the game called for in terms of why Wichita State didn't give the ball as much to Tyson at the end. Justin, your thoughts on this? It's definitely a big, uh, big return for Wichita State during that game right after the freeze in Houston. I mean, Wichita really gave the Cougars fits and uh, getting him back 
it's really huge for Wichita State, and they could try to make another run to, uh, you know, win another back-to-back regular season title. And and obviously next next year, I mean, UVA's going to get back on track and try to reclaim that title. But I mean, this is a big confidence boost for Wichita State to get a big player back and able to run it back for next year. Right. And like you mentioned, I feel like that's certainly going to be a, a big boost to Wichita State just in terms of having Tyson Etienne, who uh, one of the other things that the B reporter uh, said during Chris Gardner's interview was just, you know, it, it seems like Tyson Etienne, he's going to play in the NBA. He has this, the skills, the tools to be an NBA player. It's just more in terms of now putting it all together for this final season with the Shockers and kind of showing that he can do a lot more in terms of playmaking, creating, and if he is the point guard, it's going to give him a lot more flexibility and honestly a lot a m- lot more freedom if most of the offense is running through the Shockers. It's like you mentioned, he was one of the few players that gave U of H fits during the season. I remember that the first meeting after Tita Center in the regular season was a, a eye-opener just in terms of how well he played against a UH defense who not many players did last season. So I think that's, that's a plus for Wichita state is going to be something to watch. Obviously in terms of the Cougars who has to play Wichita state, one of those rivals who are expected to be on top of the American athletic conference. But Justin, that that's pretty much it for the show. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? Yeah. And I was going to ask one last question for uh, back to football. Mm-hmm. How many wins this season do you think they need to win for Dana to keep his job? I'm going with around an 8-4 record plus a bowl and make it 9-4. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like eight wins would be the minimum uh, just in terms of the, the bottom. I th- if he doesn't win eight games, I think he should be in the hot seat um, entering his third year. You know, first season with the entire Derek King you know, we're red shirt. Where is he staying? Is he leaving? That that's the first year you get a pass, and then last season with the whole entire COVID, obviously getting like the first month of the season postponed or canceled, and then having your own COVID issues just six weeks later. That season was a bit of a wash, and just it's an anomaly. Now entering your third season, you have your players, the players that Dana Hogerson wants. We mentioned Clayton Toon; he's been in the system for three years as well. And just basing off the schedule, I mean, we, we mentioned the non-conference schedule during our three folk talking sports with Chris Gardner and Willie Gibson this past Friday. And I mean, just look at our non-conference schedule. The teams are playing, obviously the first game of the season, Texas tech, which that honestly should be the only game where they would end the loss would be acceptable because then you look at the other grambling, that's an FCS school. They should not lose to Grambling. Rice, they shouldn't lose to them either. And UConn, I mean, UConn, they're an independent. They shouldn't lose to the Huskies either. They should go 3-1 and non-conference. And then when you look at their conference schedule, they're not even playing Cincinnati or UCF. And they're playing a lot more of the teams they should be in the American Athletic Conference. And I'd, I'd agree with you. I feel like the eight-win mark should be the minimum for Dana Hogerson just to flatline and not have to really start evaluating. And honestly, a nine win season isn't, shouldn't be far out in terms of based off the schedule that honestly nine wins should be more like it, but I feel eight is the minimum. Yeah, most definitely because 
you know, even the Texas Tech game, I mean, I know you're saying it, it's acceptable. I, I don't think so. That Texas Tech team last year was really not good at all. And, I mean, haven't really been that good under Coach Wells since he got there. But I think that's a must-win game to start off the season for the Cougars to really show what that season will come out to be like. Right. And, you know, it's a it's a neutral side game, but it's at NRG Stadium. There'll be a lot of U of H fans. There'll be a, a good share amount of Texas Tech fans as well. But just having that big game feel, I agree. If, if they can start the season off with a win, that'll be a good tone setter. And, and then they could, I mean, the, the big, when it comes to conference schedule, the big two games will be against SMU and Memphis. And outside of that, most of the other games, they play USF, they play Temple. They don't play any of the upper echelon teams in the conference, like I mentioned. Not having to play Cincinnati, that is a huge plus for this U of H team. But, I mean, they play USF, who they they beat convincingly this past season. Play East Carolina, they play Tulane, they play Tulsa. You know, none of those upper end teams. And I feel like that's another thing they have going in favor of them and why they should, they should, they should win at least eight games. And if we're being honest, nine should be the minimum. Yeah, absolutely. Nine should be the minimum. That's with the eight win season plus a bowl game. I mean, that's, that's the minimum right there. Right. I remember uh, Renew Couture, a couple of see when they fired Major Applewhite. We fire coaches for only eight wins. Well, Past two seasons, Dana Holgerson hasn't even won eight games combined. He won four his first year, three last year. I mean, if he can't win eight games of the season, he's going to certainly have to be in the hot seat. But what say you? We want to hear from you guys. What? How many wins should this U of H team get? And feel free to reach out to us on Pod Simon Jam on Twitter. We want to hear your thoughts. But Justin, that is going to do it for today's episode. So. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And like we mentioned, if you want to reach out to us, reach out to us on Twitter at PodSlamajama, just like you see it in the description, in the title of the show. And be sure to follow at Apollo HLU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back on our next episode of Pod Slamajama, covering your University of Houston Cougars.